Hello, friends. I'm Luke, and I serve on the music team at Holy Family. We continue to hear stories from people like you who listen to the Holy Family podcast and consider Holy Family your church. And whether you're someone who's constantly on the go, hasn't found a church community where you live to which you can belong, or someone who's wondering about the shape of your faith, we are honored to be with you by sharing these reflections from our Sunday liturgies. We rely on the generosity of our congregation, which includes you wherever you listen, to help our ministry achieve and maintain financial health. If this podcast has been a gift to you, would you consider making a contribution so that we can continue offering resources that welcome questions, curiosities, and doubts? You can make a gift by following the link in our show notes. That's at holyfamilyhtx.org. From Holy Family HTX, an Episcopal church for people without a church, this is the Holy Family Podcast, a collection of ideas about leading a Jesus-centered life. We clearly explore the church's understandings while bringing our own questions, curiosities, and doubts, and we never demand fake agreement. Theological exploration is just better that way. So, let's take a moment of silence as we get ready to contemplate today's ideas. Friends, I have to begin with a confession this morning. If I had a more resilient and agile mind, I would have scrapped the sermon you are about to hear and begun fresh on the heels of so much devastating news from Washington this week, in particular the Supreme Court's decision on Friday to overturn Roe versus Wade, a precedent that for 50 years preserve the reproductive rights of women. This past Wednesday morning, I was here for the office of morning prayer, and we got to speak aloud these words from Psalm 109. May his days be few. May another seize his position. May his children wander about and beg. May they be driven out of the ruins they inhabit. May the creditor seize all that he has. May strangers plunder the fruits of his toil. May there be no one to do him a kindness, nor anyone to pity his orphan children. May his posterity be cut off. May his name be blotted out in the second generation. Prayers born out of anger and anguish are ancient and belong very much to our tradition. So I invite you to pray with me now. O God, we come before you with weary bodies, weary spirits, weary hearts, weary minds. And we recall your servant, Polly Murray, whose feast day the Episcopal Diocese of Texas celebrates on this day, a trailblazer in your church and in this nation, 
who called their autobiography song in a weary throat. Give us songs even now. Give us strength to discern your presence in our midst and let us be challenged and changed by you and the words you deliver through prophets of old and those with us today. We ask all this through your Son, our Liberator, Jesus Christ. Amen. I wonder if you've ever received an invitation that you weren't quite ready to accept. Maybe you were offered a job that, while it matched your interests and skills, didn't have quite enough lure for you to leave the role you were in. Maybe a partner asked you to move to a different part of the country, and however strong your bond was, it wasn't as powerful as the pool of the place you called home. In different seasons of our lives, we can feel more or less prepared to step into something new, something unknown, to risk a relationship, a change in vocation, a geographic dislocation. Now, Elisha was just minding his own business, plowing his fields, taking care of 12 yokes of oxen, when a stranger passed through town and tried to recruit him for Prophet Corps, a full-time volunteer position that required arduous travel through dangerous places to share unpopular truths with powerful people. Surprising, Elisha didn't immediately leap at such an opportunity. The truth is, Elisha's reluctance or resistance is really not all that significant. He could have told Elijah where to take his prophetic coat, could have said, nah, I'm good. All he says is, let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow you. It hardly seems like an unreasonable request, but Elijah responds a bit impatiently. As we work out the terms of our lives, who we will follow and when, it seems we are always likely to inconvenience someone, even if it's only for a matter of minutes. And then Elisha, he doesn't just kiss his father and mother. What he does is an even more dramatic demonstration of his commitment to Elijah to this prophetic call. He sacrifices a bull, which in essence symbolizes his renunciation of his inheritance. He no longer expects to receive the profits of the land his parents own and the animals that work it. He is pledging himself to a life of itinerancy, not knowing where he will find himself at the end of any given day or what, what form his meals might take. Elisha's action makes me think of the story we have come to call the prodigal son. You know, a father has two sons, one of whom comes to him and says, I'd rather you were dead and I get my inheritance now. And the father says, oh, okay, and writes two checks one to the impertinent son and one to the obedient son. And the father sits on his porch and thinks often about his beautiful boy and wonders if he'll ever see him again and expects not. And then after a very long time, the boy shows up. The father can hardly believe his eyes and he tells his servants, go and sacrifice a bull and put some fine clothes on my son. 
We commemorate moments of great joy and sorrow with feasts. And one of the beautiful things about the life of the church is that for us, funerals and weddings are all mixed up. When someone dies, we believe they are ushered to the banquet table Christ has prepared for them. And when two people are married, we believe they symbolize Christ's marriage to the church. So this feast that Elisha prepares is a mix of celebration and sadness, an expression of gratitude both for where he's coming from and where he's going. But I have to wonder what he was thinking and feeling as he responded to Elijah's invitation. When we say yes to an invitation, we have no way of knowing what lies ahead, even if we can predict somewhat from precedent. When Martin Luther King started to help organize the bus boycott in Montgomery, he couldn't have known the momentous struggle for civil rights that was to come. Surely he had a sense of the obstacles and perils involved in his prophetic ministry, but I wonder if he would have said yes if he could have seen into the future to witness fire hoses and German shepherds unleashed on citizens of Birmingham, four girls killed in the bombing of a Baptist church and countless other violences, including his own assassination at a Memphis motel. When the gay, lesbian, and trans citizens resisted police force at the Stonewall Inn in 1969, I wonder if they would have had the courage of their commitment had they known the decades of struggle that it would take to achieve certain rights while continuing to argue their very right to exist in the year of our Lord 2022. When Polly Murray boarded a Greyhound bus on March 23rd, 1940, Some 15 years before Rosa Parks' courageous action in Montgomery, they could not have known what was to come in their life. Murray was the descendant of both enslaving and enslaved ancestors, and they became a first in so many aspects of their life, including being the first black woman ordained as a priest in the Episcopal Church. Murray was gender nonconforming before we had language for their fortitude. And when they refused to vacate a seat for a white Greyhound customer that day in 1940, it commenced a legal battle that would ultimately lead to the civil rights laws passed in the 1960s, laws which I regret to add are under threat today. Murray was a lawyer before they were a priest, and they were a poet all their life. In one of their long poems, Dark Testament, they write, Hope is a crushed stalk between clenched fingers. Hope is a bird's wing broken by a stone. Hope is a word in a tuneless ditty. A word whispered in the wind, a dream of 40 acres and a mule, a cabin of one's own, and a moment to rest, a name 
and place for one's children and children's children at last. Hope is a song in a weary throat. I wonder what music we will make in this time as I recall the words of another poet, Bertolt Brecht, who said, in the dark times, will there be singing? There will be singing of the dark times. I wonder what invitations we will find we can no longer postpone or decline as God anoints each one of us to our own prophetic callings. find more resources to help you lead a Jesus-centered life at holyfamilyhtx.org. Again, it's holyfamilyhtx.org.